I want to share a few thoughts. I'm sure everyone in this room has heard the story or certainly heard the term or heard the phrase about the Good Samaritan. And in modern times, in modern days, we see so many organizations taking up that title or that phrase and it's, it's deemed to uh, suggest that there is an organization that's there to help, it's there to reach the needs of people. But there's so much more to uh, the story of the Good Samaritan that I want to share with you. And I suppose most people would have heard of it and or have an idea of it, but I want to share tonight just for a few moments, and maybe you haven't heard the story or the true meaning of the story of the Good Samaritan. And if we have your Bibles, we're reading from Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. I'll just read it to you tonight. If you don't have a Bible, just, just listen very carefully to God's Word. Luke chapter 10 and, and verse 30. And I, I'm just going to speak. The title is, The Good Samaritan Returns. The Good Samaritan Returns. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was and he saw him. And he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy upon him. And Jesus said unto him, Go and do thy likewise. Now, Lord, we pray tonight just for these few moments around your word, the simplicity of your word, Lord, that you would speak to hearts in this room. Lord, that you'd bring conviction of sin. Lord, that your voice would be heard, that I would be hid far behind the cross, that I would decrease, that Christ would increase, that you would be glorified, and souls would be rescued. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You know, the Lord just tells this very simple parable, a story with a heavenly meaning. Tells this very simple parable of this man that's on a journey. He's on a journey, the Bible tells us, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and that just simply reminds us of, of the fact that every one of us in this room, we, we are on a journey. We actually are on a journey, and our journey begins with our birth. The Bible tells us that there is a time to be born, and our journey ends when we die. The Bible tells us that there is a time to die. And so really, that's our journey. We don't know how long we really have. I think most of us think that we maybe have much longer than what we think, but we really have no idea of the moment, the day, the hour, the time, the months, the year, that our journey will end. But one thing for sure that we are all in agreement with, that one day all our journeys will end. 
And it all ends in the same way if Christ does not come, but it will all end with this reality that it is appointed on the man once to die. And after this, there's the judgment. And that is life. That is the reality of our lives. You know, James tells us that our life is, is really just like a vapor of air, that it just appears for a time and then it's gone. That really is the substance of our lives. It goes so quickly. It goes so fast. And we're born into this world. We don't choose to be born, but we're born. There are no mistakes in birth. I believe that the the life that is given is given by God. And we're born onto this planet. And we're born into this world. And we live a life. But that life is is limited. That we'll come. One day it comes to an end. There's, There's a time to be born. And that's the journey that we're on. But know this, there, there is also a time when it ends. There's, there's an end to the journey. It's called death. And that's the reality of our lives. And this man is on this journey. And of course, it just simply tells us the Lord telling the story that this man, he, it says these words, he fell. He fell among, he fell among thieves. That word fell among just means he was surrounded by thieves. You know, we, we know that, that the thief, that the thief, according to the Lord Jesus Christ and the scriptures in John chapter 10, the thief is, is, we're told there, the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy. This man fell among men who wanted to, to destroy him. And that is exactly what the powers of darkness, the enemy, if you like, Satan himself would seek to do, he would seek to destroy our lives. And this man fell among the thieves. Thank God we have the message of hope in Jesus Christ tonight that he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But this man here, he falls into a situation that is beyond his control. He falls into a time I suppose we would say he fell in hard times. You ever heard that expression? And I want to ask you tonight, friend, in this room, if you don't know the Lord, and you're here tonight, and you're on life's journey, but I want to just ask you a simple question. What have you fallen amongst? What are you surrounded by? Have you maybe fallen into, into alcoholism? Where alcohol has become practically the, the, the chains that hold you in your life and you've fallen into perhaps drugs or you're addicted to drugs or perhaps tonight you've fallen into sexual immorality or, or perhaps you're just here tonight and you've fallen into great troubles. You've, you've had a time in your life where, where it's just great troubles and great distress and great storms or you've fallen into hard times. It's a hard season. It's, it's a hard time that you're in. Or perhaps you're here and you're, you're battling with depression. You've fallen into depression. And your expectation of your life has changed what you expected in life. It hasn't turned out how you'd hoped. I would say this man didn't expect to be set upon by the thieves. He, he didn't expect his life to take a turn for the worse, but it did. And now we see that this man has fallen into a difficult time you know the reality of it is that we're fallen creatures the bible talks clearly that every single one of us are born in sin the bible says for we have all sinned and then it says and come short i think someone prayed it tonight but we have fallen short 
We've fallen short of the standard of God's glory because we're fallen by nature. We're born in sin. So we're actually fallen creatures. We need a savior. We need someone to lift us out of the pit of sin and deliver us by a supernatural power. No one could help this man. He was fallen among the thieves. You know, friends, sin is an awful thing. Sin is a dreadful thing. It's a word that's not commonly used, but it's a biblical word. Sin strips you of your dignity. It strips you of your identity. It strips you and it wounds you and abuses you. Your sin separates you from God. Your sin destroys you. Actually, the Bible says that sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. That's the end of sin. This man needed an answer for his life. He needed someone to intervene. He needed someone to intervene in his life because the Bible says he was left for dead. He was hopeless. He was helpless. But we're thankful tonight that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, men and women who are hopeless and helpless in need of a Savior. Then we note in in the simple parable like what came along the road was a priest. And I'm asking you tonight the question, have you fallen into these difficult times in your life and you've fallen into your sin and fallen into whatever addiction that may be, you're falling into depression and you're seeking an answer and you're trying many things. You're looking into the world for an answer. That's what so many people are doing today because there's a void There's an emptiness and they're trying to find something to fill that void. And simply the man that passed the priest and the Levite is just a type of of what this world has to offer us. In the end, they'll pass by. You're a case that's beyond what they can do. There's actually nothing they can do. And so the priest passes by on one side and the Levite passes by. But thank God, Not there's the good Samaritan. The Bible says, but a good Samaritan, as he journeyed, came. I want you to listen to these words. He came to where he was. The Bible says that when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You know, I want you to point, I want to point a few things out to you here tonight. If you can identify in some way with this man that has fallen, you can identify that you're the individual that's fallen and fallen creatures and fallen in sin or fallen into the depths of despair. Here's the thing about this good Samaritan. He came to where he was. This is the good news of the gospel. You see, here's the reality tonight. That Jesus sees every individual person in this room and sees every individual need in this room and sees the reality of where every individual is in this room. And yet in all of that, knowing that we're sinners and we're fallen and and all the mess-ups of our lives, yet he still comes to us. That is actually the hope of the gospel. Religion will say, tidy yourself up. Religion will say, try your best. Religion will say, put your best on. Cover yourself and try to make it. But thank God Jesus comes to us as we are. He doesn't ask us to clean ourselves up. 
He doesn't ask us to turn over a new leaf. He doesn't ask us to try our best. He's simply waiting for the cry from your heart. The Bible says the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and the Lord delivered him. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the power of Christianity that he's not waiting for you to change your life. He changes your life. But he's waiting on the cry. He came to where he was. Where are you in this journey in life? Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be truthful. Where are we really in life? Peel back all the, all the things that we covered ourselves. Peel it all away tonight. But really in the root of it all. Right down into the depths of who we are. Where are we really in life? Let me ask you, where are you in the journey? Has most of the life been lived? Is there less now to live than what you had before? Or perhaps you're a young person sitting here tonight and you have a whole life in your eyes and in your thoughts. You have a whole life ahead of you. But let me tell you something. Not one of us can boast of tomorrow. Not one of us. Where are you in life? You see... Every individual in this room, I want you to know this. This is so true. Jesus sees you as you are. He sees you as you, he sees you what you've fallen into. He sees you in the depths of your sin. He sees you in your mess and in your muck. He sees us as we are. Thank God he sees us as we are. Even though we're dead in our sins, yet he still loves us. And he came. I love this. He came to where he was. Are you glad that Jesus comes to where you are? Are you glad that his religion will say, here's the bar. Here's what you have to do. Here's the things you have to take. Here's the systems of the world. Here's the programs of the world. If you do one to ten, then that's going to make you free. I want to tell you, that will not make you free. The Bible says only the Son can make you free. That's Jesus. And so they passed by. But Jesus came to where he was. The Bible says of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I am so thankful that the Lord receives sinners. Someone like me, someone like you. But not only did he come to where he was, number two, I want you to see this. He saw him. He saw him. And listen to me carefully. This is, this is really something special. Because the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance. In other words, I can look over this room or you can look at me standing on this platform and I can look across this room and look at you in your eye and I can see you. But when, when, the, when Jesus sees you, he sees beyond the outward Man looks on the outward appearance, but what does the Bible say? God looks on the, on the heart. In other words, what we're saying tonight is, it's not the outward appearance that really, that's just the, the symptoms, that's just the, the fruit of your like of what you really are on the inside. Jesus can look right into the very core of your heart and he hears, he hears every cry. He sees all the pain. He sees the wounds. He sees what it's really like when you close the door and you're sitting there. He knows exactly where you are. 
He knows your thoughts. He knows you're waking up and you're laying down. He knows the very hairs of your head are numbered. Jesus knows everything about you intimately. And when he saw him, when he seen him with everything in this condition that he was in, do you know what the wonderful news of the gospel is? You know what the wonderful news of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have? This is what it says. He had compassion. You know, I love that tonight because that is really the hope of the gospel. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When he seen him, when he seen him, when he seen her, and all the mess that there was, Jesus was actually moved with compassion. That's an awesome thing. You see, we often think that Jesus is waiting for us to do ourselves up or or make ourselves right, or free ourselves from some type of sin or outward sin that everyone can see. But, you know, right into the core of us, we're rotten in the inside. And he sees us as we are. He sees our hearts. He sees our conditions. He knows our thoughts. He knows our feelings. But yet in all of that, he has compassion. There's mercy with God. The Bible says in Psalm 145 and 8, the Lord is gracious and he is full of compassion and he's slow to anger and he is of great mercy. The mercy of the Lord. And so not only in that compassion, there was a practical reality. The Bible says that he bound up his wounds. You know, never before have we come to an hour and a time where we see so many people that are wounded. I'm talking about a wounded, wounded emotionally, wounded spiritually, wounded in their hearts, wounded. Whether it's been a, an abusive background or an abusive home or an abusive upbringing, we have seen the reality. So many people are abused and they're wounded on the inside. And they're constantly trying to do something on the outside to take away the pain of what they've experienced. Can I tell you something, friends? There is a healing for wounded spirits and wounded lives and wounded emotions. He is the healer. He is the binder of wounds. He can heal your heart. He can heal your emotions. He can heal you from the inside out. He bound up his wounds. Think about it. Jesus wants to bind up those wounds. There's not a tablet can reach that wound. Listen to me, friends. There's not a tablet can fix that wound. It'll only numb the wound, but it won't heal the wound. There's not a drug that you can take tonight that can fully go into the depths of that pain and that agony and bring healing, but there is in Jesus Christ tonight. There was healing. He poured in the oil and the wine. Do you know what that speaks of? It speaks of restoration. It is amazing what God can do in a life that's been so ravished by sin and broken by sin and marred by the world. But when God moves by His Spirit and in His compassion, He pours in that oil and that wine, that body and that emotion and that spirit is restored. He is the great restorer. And then it says that He set Him on His own beast. Do you know what that speaks of? It simply means that he gave him the privileged position. That he takes us out of, out of the muck and the mire. We, we're saying, he brought me out of the mire clay. He put my feet 
on that rock this day. He put a song in my heart today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He gives us a privileged position with himself. And then it says, he took care of him. I want to tell you something. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. I want to tell you that there is a man called Jesus, fully God and fully man. But if you want someone to look after you, his name is Jesus. He took care of him. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. I'm so thankful that God takes us out of horrible pits. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings and he's put a song in my heart. Praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and they will trust, put their trust in the Lord. You see, he brought him out. Here's the reality. So many get confused at this point and it's important that you listen. You see, Jesus came to deliver us out of sin. There's so many today want Jesus, but they want to remain in some way in that horrible pit of sin. They want to keep part of that sin. They, they're deceived by the sin. And so they want to remain sort of half in the sin and hopefully they can have some of Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you, it never works. Jesus has come to set us free and deliver us out of sin. I can see this man lying in his pain and his wounds and his agony. And I'm sure as these men went by, I'm sure of it. I'm sure that he said, help me. But the priest walked by and then he said to the Levite, help me. And the Levite walked by. But then the good Samaritan came. And I'm sure when that man said, help me, he seen him. He came to him. He had compassion on him. He healed his wounds. He put him on his beast. He delivered him out of the pit. Friends, do you want delivered from the sin? Do you want delivered from the pit that you're in? You're on life's journey. We're half dead as it is because as we're approaching the finale of time, we need to be quick and we need to be sure. Do we want to be delivered from the hell that we're in, the sin that we're living in? The Bible tells us that he brought him out. And he brought him in. He brought him to an inn. He brought him to a place where he would be cared for. Verse 35 says, On the morrow he departed, and he took two pence and gave it to the host and said to him, You take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay you. Now this is actually amazing. This is often where we stop at the Good Samaritan story and leave it there. But there's so much more to the story that so often we miss. You see, we see that the, the Good Samaritan paid the price for the care of this man. I'm so thankful tonight that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the price has been paid to take care of me. When I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of that blood, there's a price that's been paid to redeem me. I've been purchased tonight. That's what it is to be saved. There was a great price paid for your soul. That was the death of Jesus on the cross. It's an awesome thing. How can we take it in? How can we understand it? It's a wonder. 
That he loved us and he gave himself for us as a ransom. He paid the ransom for us. And thank God it's paid in full. He paid the price. You know that price has been paid. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. But the Bible calls it the earnest of the Spirit. It's the down payment for our souls. You see, Christ has purchased me. And everyone that's saved in this room, he's purchased us. What that means is the down payment has been made and Christ is coming back for what he owes. And everyone that's saved, everyone that's been born of the Spirit, everyone that's cried out and been delivered and repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when Christ comes, it's only for those that he's paid for through his own precious blood. The price has been paid. How can you receive that? Through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance and calling on the Lord to save you. And you can know tonight of your sins forgiven and he'll take care of you. But the good Samaritan said this, I will come again. I will come again. I want you to listen very carefully as we're coming to a close. In Acts chapter 1, it's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Jesus had died on the cross, rose again on the third day. He appeared to his disciples and up to, was it 500 at one time? And now he was taking his disciples out to the Mount Olives. He was about to leave and he was about to ascend up into heaven. In Acts chapter 1 and 9, after he had spoke these things, it says these words, while they beheld he, that's Jesus, was taken up and a cloud received them, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This is important. This same Jesus, the good Samaritan in the story, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You see, the good Samaritan is coming back. Listen very carefully. The good Samaritan is coming back. The indications and the signs of that are all around us. Christ is coming again. And Christ is coming soon. What's he coming for? He's coming for that which he's purchased. For all those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, regardless red and yellow, black and white, from every tribe and every tongue across this globe, but everyone that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this same Jesus, he's coming back. That's the great divider. That's the great divider. Listen carefully. That's the great divider. That's the moment. That's the great separation. That's what we all should be concerned. That's what our focus should be. That Christ is coming again. At that moment, friends, listen very carefully. At that moment, for all those that know Him and love Him and are born of the Spirit and are saved, at that moment, He's going to take His purchased possession with Him the glory. It's an awesome day. 
It's a wonderful day. There is going to be a meeting in the air. But for all those who have rejected Christ, listen, this is so important. This deals with your soul. This deals with your eternity. For all those who have maybe sat in meetings, heard the gospel, know the gospel, know the truth, but have chosen to stay in their sin, chosen to stay in the place that they've fallen into, have turned perhaps to the priest and the Levite for their answer, but there is no answer. There's only one way to be saved, and it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. Not a church can save you, not a pastor can save you, not a priest can save you, not a program can save you, but only Jesus. Only Jesus. At that moment, friends, you've sat in meetings. You've heard the gospel. You've maybe sang some of the songs. You've been moved even by some of the songs. They've touched your heart because they are touching. Because they're real. You sing about that old rugged cross. So despised by the world. But you know what? It has a wondrous attraction to me. There's a wondrous attraction to it. Friend, tonight, if you're in this room, the good Samaritan, that's Jesus, sees you. Not only does he see you, but he's coming to where you are. And he's moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. Friends, tonight, as we close, very simply, Christ is here to save. He hasn't come for the righteous, those who think they're good enough. He's come for sinners that are willing to cry out, say, Lord, have mercy. And thank God he's great in mercy. He's speaking to hearts that I have no doubt. He's passing this way. Will you call on him tonight? And will you be saved, not just for time, but for eternity? The journey. Where are you in life's journey? Only by the mercy and the grace of God is any one of us in this room tonight. But no man, not one of us, can boast of tomorrow. Because we don't know. But today, if you hear his voice, God speaking, if you hear his voice, don't turn away. And don't harden your heart. Let's pray together. So Lord, in the stillness of these few moments, we just bow before you. Lord, we pray that by the power of your Spirit that you would continue to search into hearts and speak into lives tonight. Lord, you know every individual in this room, everyone that does not know you. Lord, you see and you hear the cry from every heart. Lord, I just pray tonight that by the convicting power of your Spirit that you would strive with men and women, that you would speak on Lord, that you would not give rest, O oh God, because you're so merciful and you're so full of compassion. 
Lord, would you draw men and women unto yourself tonight, Lord? Lord, I pray, Lord, to be clear decisions made. Lord, I pray, Lord, Lord, that there be a true Christ from heart for salvation. Lord, I pray that we come from the individual, Lord. We're not here to try and save anyone or manipulate anybody, but Lord, we're praying for true, deep, and real conviction of sin. And Lord, genuine cries from the heart, Oh, God, save me. Lord, we pray tonight that you would continue on with this congregation, Lord. Meet every need. We thank you that you are the healer of the broken in heart. You're the binder of every wound. Lord, it is with great hope and joy that we look up, knowing that our redemption draweth nigh. Lord, that it is near. No, God, we pray that everyone in this room would be ready. Be ready if you should come. Be ready if you should call. Lord, that we'd be ready to meet the Lord. So, Lord, have mercy and continue on with us tonight. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen.